Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mace. Here with me is Jay Jones, and this is Text Driven Tuesday. If you are a new listener, Text Driven Tuesday is where we we sit down and talk about the sermon that was preached on Sunday here at Christ Fellowship Church. Yep. So that's what we're going to do. That's right. We're going to continue through John chapter 19. Mm-hmm. How's that uh, How's that plan? How's that outlook coming? You originally said you were going to do it in four. It's then still it five. To, then it moved to five. It's still five. It's still five. We'll see if we can uh, make it. All right. There's potential right, we'll for see. the last one, we'll the last area, mm-hmm. last section to become two, but uh, yeah. we'll see. All right. I'm still, I'm still thinking five, yeah. I'm holding out for six. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll see. All right. How's it going? Good. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Not a bad weekend. Do anything interesting? No. Go to some softball games. Yeah. That's it. Fall softball is a big I'm sure your daughter will hear, will enjoy hearing you say, no, I didn't do anything interesting. Just went to a softball game. Yeah. I, I kind of like it because uh, so she plays on an eighteen U team. She's fourteen years old, mm-hmm. so you know the scouts will come up and scan the team thing, and they're like, "What? A fourteen year old?" You know, there there is a there's not a lot of pressure on her for it. So I kind of like it because you know they're recruiting you know juniors and seniors, yeah, and so she's just there getting experience. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on her because I mean, yeah expectations can't be too high and this is like th- like the best teams in like the whole region of the united states at these tournaments these Im- invitational tournaments and she does good she holds her own her friends think it's hilarious because she's never played softball or she pl- started playing softball like two years ago mm-hmm. they've all been playing since they were little kids mm. and she'll be like what's this like what's that they're like they think it's so funny because she can hit with all of them yeah but she has no idea about like the the like inside lingo, oh yeah, you know the terminology. Right. Shit, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so. I did my hopefully last uh, lawn mowing on Saturday. That's a that's like a holiday. I know for me anyway. Just throw a party. Yeah, that's a special time. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Some people love doing it. I don't love doing it. Yeah. Yeah, my my grass was just tall enough. I was like, eh, I probably should go ahead and mow it. Well, if it rains again, oh, I know, and it, it heats up into the seventies, it'll be one more. Ugh. But hopefully not. Hopefully not. We're in November. I know. I shouldn't be mowing my yard. You've got a long mowing season here. Yeah, where we live, it's terrible. Good for those for those folks that have cows, though. Cattle, the cattle. Yeah. Good for them. Maybe I should get a a goat. <laughs> yeah. Can get I get it? Can I have a goat in Lawton? I don't. I don't know. Keep it in your backyard. Yep. You probably could. It's a domesticated animal. I think Lawton has a lot of regulations. So you probably be good. Oh, I don't know. George's little farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is really stimulating conversation. You can Jay. tell it's a Monday in here. 
It's a Monday in this in in here. I feel like we I feel like we are this close to being NPR. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Welcome to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart. Yeah, like they like try to sound as boring as possible. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I think we just lost a few listeners, Jay. (laughs) 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 all right so we're we're in john chapter 19 let's let's get into the text before we we really just lose more (laughs) it's a safe place to be Uh (laughs) all right john chapter 19 so we uh we were in john chapter 19 last week and we saw the crucifixion Mm -hmm. and the death the death of christ Mm -hmm. right um, but uh, you preached um, on Sunday, verses thirty-one through thirty-seven. Yeah, which are the events just after mm-hmm. his death. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we don't have a whole lot of uh, background that we need to get into. It's just continuing the narrative of the crucifixion. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's have you read it, and then we'll. We'll just jump right in. Okay. How's that sound? All right. Okay. Since it was... Oh, we got to switch over so that they can see it. I need to plug this in. It really is a Monday. Uh-huh. Yep. That's my fault. All right. Let's see. There it is. Boom. There's the text. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you may believe, or that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. All right, well, this is, uh, you know, this is one of those kind of sweet spots where the biblical author tells you why he's writing it. Yeah. Right? So he's he's doing the work for you, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so yeah. so John's John is writing these things so that you'll believe. That's right. Right? Yeah. Um, so this is, John's very big on eyewitness. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says kind of the same stuff in, in first John at the beginning of first John. These are the things that we saw, we heard, mm-hmm. we touched with our hands. Yep. Right. Um, what, what would you say to someone that, um, was pushing back against that and saying, well, he says that he saw this, but of course he's going to say that to kind of bolster this. Why should we believe that? That because you know, uh, even liberal um, commentators will say, "Well, this wasn't written by the disciple John; it was right. written by the Johannine community. It was his disciples." Um, what, what would you What would you say to something like that, like in an apologetic kind of way? Um, uh, I would say, I guess that you know, you don't have a problem believing other things. Well, and I would just kind of probe, why do you have a problem believing this? Mm-hmm. And they might would say, well, because of the uh, 
there's supernatural things <clears throat> or whatever yeah. you know, that are there. Um, and so that's that's just the way that I would push back is mm-hmm. why will you accept readily other historical documents when and there's so many uh, there's so much attestation to these documents, right? These documents did not come up despite what people say, you know, 200 years after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't long ago when all liberals were saying not a por- not a single portion of John was written before 200 AD. Yeah. Like people got PhDs, they spent their life on this, <laughs> right? Right. And then, oh, surprise, we find, what is it, P what? 52? Is it P fifty two? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember, but I've I've seen it. The, yeah, it's the a P, er, one of the earliest manuscripts. One of the early little pieces of John's gospel, mm-hmm. which pre, which is I believe, um, they know it's before one hundred eighty. Mm-hmm. So what do you I mean? There, there goes your entire life's work, right? If you're if you've spent your whole life. Studying and saying, "Oh, all these were written after 200 AD." Mm-hmm. Uh, now your life's just crushed because we found a piece. I mean, so and I, it's just there's a reason why, right? Why you why won't you just take it? So that would be like like this. Why don't you just read it as this person's what he saw, an eyewitness account, mm-hmm. right? Then say whether you believe him or not, right? That's all you have to do. Yeah. Would you just say, okay, I'm going to read this from John as if John was there and he saw it. And then you're free to say, I don't believe it. Um, but just take it for, for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And like we said before, there are a lot of details in here that if it, if it was uh, written after the fact, like people are like, let's come up with a good idea after the fact. Like uh, you could do a lot, a lot of uh, better things. Like this is just, hey, here's the facts. Here's what happened. These men, they don't look good. You know, mm-hmm. they look bad. They look, they look like they're cowards. They look like they're disloyal uh, to Jesus. There's a lot of things in the in the text that if people were just making up a good story after the fact, you know, they would either leave them out or say something else. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I think so. The best, the best ap- way to go with apologetic is: this is what he says he saw. Will you believe it or will you not? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's you know? good. Yeah, because you're gonna. I, I bring that up because we've got people listening who are going to be talking to unbelievers, and right. they're going to say, "This was written by you know these uneducated people hundreds of years after the fact." But you have to deal with the fact that the author himself says, I saw it. Yeah, and John, well, when the text says these are un- un- uneducated men, I think it's, number one, it's a way to, that's what that's what always people always say, these are uneducated, mm-hmm. common men. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a way of saying just a der- something derogatory. Right. We, people today say that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people from Ivy League schools say that about people that go to regular schools. Right. You know? But John, it appears, there's theories. He may even have been trained in the priestly lines. They don't know for sure. He's got access to the household of the high priest. Right. This is not something that normal people just have. Yeah. So there's a good chance John is not uneducated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's it's important for us to take seriously the fact that John says, I actually saw this. Mm-hmm. And this, again, we, we get so 
comfortable with these stories and so familiar with them that we, we kind of tend to forget this actually happened. This this is not this is not just some kind of Sunday school story we tell kids. That these were actual historical <laughs> events, and that's important. Yeah, um, it's important that we we realize that the things that happened they're not metaphorical. Yeah. Um, when John says that he saw the soldier pierce the side of Jesus and blood and water came out, he's, he immediately says, I saw this. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not making up stories. This is what actually happened. I'm telling you the, I'm telling you the truth. My mm-hmm. testimony's true. Yeah. Telling and you what it's, happened. And it's not for our, it's not just so that we'll fill our heads with intellectual information. It's so that we will respond. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is an evangelistic book. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's meant for us to pay attention to it and believe it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. his intention. Okay. There's something in these details, I think, for John and his mind that are powerful in inducing belief. Yeah. Right. And that's why he says, "I'm telling you about these mm-hmm. things that happened. I was right there. I saw it." Right. Um, and so that's why you have to then just kind of just slow down and try to look at them and see what's so important about this that yeah. he's recording it. Yeah. Your uh, your intro, you went a different direction than I thought you were going to go. Really? Jay. Yeah. Well, we were talking. Uh, you you your intro was uh, you know the the Holy Grail. Yeah. But last week we were talking about the Spear of Destiny. The Spear of and Destiny. You didn't you didn't mention? I didn't the, even mention, didn't even the, spear mention the Spear of Destiny. Something it really to was, save for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't make the chopping block. Uh huh. Spear of Destiny. Right. Well, we'll have to talk about okay. the Spear of Destiny when we get 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 to that part. All right. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So the Holy Grail, man. I love that movie. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Maybe this week. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. And there really is a legend around that cup. Yeah. Like people think there, there's there's all there, oh yeah I just, it, there's all these places people say well, we've I, got the I cup. just um I just this summer was reading uh, the Once and Future King which is uh, T H White's story of uh, King Arthur mm-hmm. and uh, you've got the you've got the, the knights the knights of the Round Table and some of them are looking for the the Holy Grail yeah right um yeah so there's there's a, a bunch of myths that are yeah. surrounding the the Holy Grail. It's the cup. If you don't not familiar, the Grail is the cup that Jesus mm-hmm. gave uh, when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Yeah, um, and then supposedly Joseph of Arimathea caught his blood in this cup. Right, and so the myth is that if you drink out of the cup, it gives you what immortality. Yeah, like immortality. Yeah. It's like the fountain of youth. So yeah. I think we can. I think we can do spoilers for <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think it's been long enough. Yeah, if probably. You has. If you haven't seen it by now, yeah. I, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. <laughs> so Indiana Jones's father gets shot, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fatal wound. Yeah, he, it's like a gut shot. He's right? gonna die. Um, so Indiana Jones, he's racing against the clock to get the the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And he brings it back, and he pours water from the Holy Grail onto his father's gunshot yeah. wound, and it heals. It heals him. Right. That lets him drink some. Heals mm-hmm. his body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so this this is the myth that yeah. is surrounding the Holy Grail. I like I like your twist though. I like what you said is that this this passage reveals the true Holy Grail. Yeah. Like here's the real Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, this, right here. this is where this is where eternal life is found. That's why John says says he wants you to believe it. Yeah. He wants you to believe it. He doesn't want you to choose poorly. Right. Yeah. Isn't that just like humanity though? All yeah. these myths are surrounding a cup that Jesus drank, right. drank out of. <laughs> right. And here's Jesus hanging on the cross, and it's by his death that you have yeah. eternal life. That's right. And humanity as a whole is like, nah, yeah. we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we'd we'd prefer the myths of the Holy Grail, <laughs> right. or you you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, you know Ponce de Leon and looking for the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, um, that it's just like it's just like humanity to to expend all of our energy and our resources looking for something that will give us eternal life. And John says, "I wrote these things about Jesus so that you'll have eternal life." Yep. Right. Okay, so there's two realities about Jesus' death. You broke it up in the two two parts, uh-huh. the physical reality of his death and the spiritual reality of his yep. death, right? Um, and you started with the physical reality of his death because um, if, if John's eyewitness account of the death of Jesus isn't true, mm-hmm. then the spiritual reality yeah. isn't true either. It doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you said that there are um, – you, you broke it up in the three words – Right, just so people could help, like organize things as they're thinking through that, right? About it, right? Yeah. Um. So you have hypocrisy, brutality, and necessity. Mm-hmm. So let's just walk through them. Okay. All right. So the hypocrisy. Yeah, the hi- hypocrisies found. Uh, John includes these details to tell you uh, about, so you can kind of understand what is the thinking behind it. So what happens is. The crucifixion is going on now. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's been up there. Um, well, we know as we'll look at the details that that he's already dead, but they don't know that. Yeah. Uh, but the Jews go and they ask permission to Pilate to. There's an interesting. Um, so uh, go ahead. There's a there's an interesting um, parallel passage. Yeah. That I was thinking about to break his to break their legs. Right. Can you break their legs and? Uh, the, there's like a term for it. It's called crurufragrium. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget it because it's such an odd word. Uh-huh. So the Roman soldier takes like a big mallet. Think right. like a big ma- mallet you'd see in Gladiator or something, right? Yeah. And they smash your shin bones, the weight-bearing bone in your leg. Mm-hmm. And so all of your weight now collapses. Uh, we can talk more about the mechanics of it, but it's now impossible to breathe, and right. you'll die very fast. Yeah. And then they can take you down. Mm-hmm. That way you're not hanging there on the Sabbath. Right. Because they don't want to defile the land, yeah. So they're they're very concerned about that. Yeah, in Mark chapter fifteen, verse forty four, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate to ask for the body, and Pilate is he actually is surprised that Jesus is already dead, right? Because it usually takes hours. Sometimes you could hang yeah. there for days. Yeah, I was reading a thing about it. Said it could last uh, between four and seven days, yeah, depending on like the shape you were, right? When they when they hung uh-huh. you there, right? Yeah, but Jesus. It's, it is, um, man, it, it, I, I don't think that it's, um, just the, this unnecessary, um, wordage that John is using. He says that Jesus gave up his spirit. Right. Yeah. And Jesus. After he said it's finished. Yeah. He, he's the one who determines when he dies. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just, I mean, it's natural causes, but it's not just a natural event. Right, he's he's not dying like an ordinary person. He, even though he's been beaten severely and would have significant blood loss, mm-hmm. no no arterial 
like bleeding. So, yeah, the, the how quickly he dies, mm-hmm. even given what has happened to him. Yeah, um, it shows. It goes to show that he's in control of what's happening. Right. Yeah. But so they go to break his legs. He's already dead, though. Yeah. So they don't break his legs. Right. But the hypocrisy is found in the fact. Again, we right. we saw this. We saw this earlier in in chapter eighteen, mm-hmm. where they um, don't want to go into Pilate's. They don't want to go into the Praetorium, right. lest they defile themselves because they want to take part in the Passover. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, it's the same same hypocrisy here. Right. We want their legs to be broken so that we can take them down so that the land won't be defiled. It's like a, uh, and it, he says it's the day of preparation. Well, all days before the Sabbath are called the day of preparation. Mm-hmm. But he says this day was a high day because the Sabbath and the Passover on the same day, mm-hmm. this time, this time. And so they're like, we can't defile the land, especially on this day. Yeah, um, We can't ruin we can't bring God's curse upon the land because mm-hmm. we're disobeying God's law. Deuteronomy twenty-one twenty-two to twenty-three tells them if you if you if you put someone to death and hang them on a tree, you've got to take them down before sundown, mm-hmm. or you or the land will be cursed. Right? Not by some magic, but God's God will curse them. Yeah. For defiling the land with a dead body. Yeah. So they're quote unquote keeping the law. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're keeping the law. Uh, this yeah. se- this seems like um a, what Jesus has said to them before that they are trying not to swallow a gnat and they end up swallowing a camel right right so they're they're super concerned with the like these little minute details of the law but they're ignoring the sixth commandment right do not murder Right. <laughs> yeah, they've they have conspired. It's a, this is a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So it, this is this is. I mean, all murder is wrong, but you know there there are levels of how wrong a murder is. Right. There's like crimes of passion, mm-hmm. and and then uh, there's conspiratorial premeditated murder. Right. Which these guys have been planning a while. Yeah. And so there's all these chances to repent, mm-hmm. and they just keep going forward with it. Yeah. You know, and, and then right. And this is their doing, and they and they, uh, they know. Even it, they question Jesus, and they can't find even mm-hmm. the witnesses they bring. They contradict each other. They can't find anything really against him. Yeah. So they want to keep the ceremonial mm-hmm. um, parts of the law while ignoring the moral <laughs> aspects of the law. Yeah. We we want to keep the Passover right. So take down this man that we conspired to murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to look at them and say, man, these, these people are, are horrible hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought out that it's not just them. This is not a peculiar uh, disease, <laughs> right? This is a, common, this is a yeah. common criticism of the church, right? Yeah. Church is filled with hypocrites. Yeah. To which you would probably say, Yes, yep. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's yeah. the church is filled with hypocrites right. because the church is filled with humans. Yeah. And so the outside world's filled with hypocrites too. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is that in the church, hopefully, you have hypocrites acknowledging their hypocrisy, mm-hmm. understanding that Jesus died for hypocrites. Yeah. Confessing, repenting, changing. Right. But people, you know. This is a common problem. You, you're going to put forward to the world 
uh, more than you actually are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody, nobody truly knows who you are except for maybe uh, like your wife and, and God. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So. Yep. All right. That's hypocrisy, brutality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, even even though we have like like their paintings of crucifixion and stuff, and we just don't really get it. The yeah. the details are not they're not really there in the gospels, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that's because they're like oh that's too bad to talk about. I think it's just because people everybody knew what it was. Right. You know, to describe it to anybody when when everyone has seen a crucifixion, mm-hmm. you don't need to lay the details out to what it is. Yeah. Um, the Romans were crucifying people all the time Mm. um they're just i mean you could be like hey let's go visit grandma in the neighboring village and so you're traveling on a roman road to get there because roman roads are real nice yeah and then oh look what they've put for you to see yeah and these were these were public executions yeah this this would i guess kind of be like traveling in the wild west right you'd see someone hanging from a tree yeah Right, that's that's kind of what was going on. A message, right? And it's a message. And this has been going on for centuries. Yeah. Um. The the Romans they didn't invent crucifixion. Mm-hmm. The Persians are the ones who originally did it. Mm-hmm. But they're they're putting people to death uh, on a tree was a little bit different. Yeah. This they've the Romans perfected <clears throat> prolonging it. Right. The Persians so, would impale you. Yeah. And this this method makes it uh, just makes your death really slow mm-hmm. and torturous, right? And, and shameful because you're naked. Yeah, you're, you're hanging. Uh, you're just exposed to the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a terrible way. I mean, people hanging there forever. I, I mean, there. This, since this is the podcast, extra details. But people record historically how. It's such a horrific sight. Like Romans wouldn't even say the word crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It's like considered the worst of curse words. Like mm-hmm. you don't even say it. Yeah. Uh, and a Roman citizen couldn't be crucified. But to get back at the at like the except, people crucif- except for except for treason, right? Tre- uh, yeah. Like if you're a traitor and you mm-hmm. lose, but even then, the Romans have some type of some type of strange sense of honor where they mm-hmm. may just decapitate you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Because this is such a low way to die, so people they would they would try to use the bathroom on people that were there to like get back at them. Mm. Like this is the, fl- there are flies all over the place, right. blood, dried mm. blood. It would have, I mean, it would have been a terrible thing to see, like the yeah. gro- like the most grotesque thing to to see. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it because you you know, like I said, you're on your way to grandma's, and there's one right there for you for you to see right. at the crossroads. Yep, and that's the message is is you don't rebel. Yeah, I mean, if we if we are to believe Josephus's account after the the rebellion at Jerusalem, Jerusalem fell in, in seventy A.D. He said that the Romans crucified a million, and the road was just lined with crosses. It's crazy to think about a million. And people. it's, it, I mean, that's a message, right? Yeah. Like, don't don't mess with Rome. Will we will destroy your city? And we will crucify all of you. And we'll destroy you yeah. completely. Yeah. And, and people say, "Well, that's that doesn't seem like it's doable." Well, this is a mil- This Rome is a military country. Mm-hmm. Like the whole country is militarized. Right. Massive army. Um, so they could do it mm-hmm. easily. And they're proficient at it. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is not them bumbling around trying to figure out. All right, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. Like they've got it down to a science. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much uh, do you want me to talk about uh, talk about it on here? Yeah, uh, we can talk about it. I, don't, I yeah. won't read the entire thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I read a medical expert's yeah, account of it. Right. I was debating whether to do it or not. I thought eh, it'd be better just to read it. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think? Should I have just talked no, talk no, about was, it? no. I think that was it was helpful yeah. because you're right. the The people in the the that were reading John's Gospel, they've probably seen a a crucifixion mm-hmm. and they they knew what it what it was like um they probably heard you know the screams of people who are dying uh but we're we're you know we're separated from it um you know we probably everyone's seen a crucifix and people wear them around their necks mm-hmm. but it's really sanitary um and there's a lot that is inaccurate yeah with crucifixes mm-hmm. um the the pictures of of jesus being crucified you know they've got the nail going through the hand right like that's logistically that doesn't work. isn't gonna work right right there's too many little bones um and your hand can't support the the weight of your body right um so they've they've got this perfected the the nails go through your wrist mm-hmm. like in between those two bones mm-hmm um, the nails go through your ankles. You can feel feel the the bones where there's a space. I'm um, in your ankles. Yeah. Um, and it's so that you support yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, and I I read I read like several of the details which we can get into, but I wanted to do it because people might think, well, I don't want to think about what happened that mm-hmm. detail of what happened to Jesus. I don't need that. Right. But I think we should think about it because uh, first off. It tells you about again the true nature of humanity. Yeah, we invented the most torturous way. People, people still today say it's the worst way that you could ever die. Mm. Today, even with all the crazy things people can invent, right? The worst way to die would be to be crucified. That came out of the mind of man, right? Um, we in our fallen state are wicked mm. and evil, uh, but also it reveals that uh, I, th- I think how terrible sin is in this fact that God chose this point in time to reveal his hatred to sin, of sin. The cross reveals how much God hates sin, that yeah. he would He would have his son die there in the place of sinners and pour his wrath out. It's a symbol. It shows you something. It shows you how terrible sin really is, but also shows you how much uh, God loves his people. Yeah. That he would send his son to endure this for his people, to redeem them. Yeah. So that's why we need to really think about it. Right. Um, so yeah, you're right. They would put this uh, like seven to nine inch spike through your hands on the cross beams. It would sever this nerve. There's a main nerve. I can't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. The medial nerve, maybe. Yeah. And uh, you know how if you ever hit like a nerve in your fingers, right? Well, it would burn. It would create like you'd feel like I guess your hands are on fire. Yeah. When the nerve gets severed it creates this burning sensation if you've ever hit your funny bone yeah you know it it kind of like paralyzes Mm -hmm. you that's that's just a little bit of shock of shock pain what that is and then um you're placed up there like that your hands are paralyzed now you can't move your fingers yeah and then your feet would be bent at a 90 degree angle i hadn't considered this but have you ever done a wall sit right impossible to do 
for for, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might could do it for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Starts burning real bad. So they bend yeah. your knees at that angle, right? And then they put your feet down ninety degrees and then nail them together to the uh, to the upright part of the of the cross, mm-hmm. which um, doesn't break any bones. But it gives you something you can push on. Right. This is the torturous part of it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to support your your weight and breathe, you're going to have to push past that ninety. But you can't. So as you begin to hang longer and longer, your wrists dislocate, then your elbows dislocate. Mm-hmm. I didn't didn't even think of this. Then your shoulders dislocate. So you're dislocated everywhere, and now your arms are nine inches longer than they were. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. To think about. Wow. And. And as time goes on, uh, your legs start to give out. I was I read this from a medical doctor, a, a modern medical doctor's um, account of, yeah. of a crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I just read it word for word in church. But and then what starts to happen over time is your legs get too tired, and you're having to do this so you can breathe. Yeah. So you're the way the mechanics of it go as you slunch, your chest is locked into the inhale position. Mm-hmm. Your ribs are like expanded like that. Yeah. So you can't breathe because you can't exhale. Yeah. So if you want to exhale and relax your rib cage, you've got to push up from your feet, which will enable your lung, your chest to compress, and and then you can exhale, and then you can take in a new breath. Which, as you're doing that, you have to put pressure on the nail in your mm-hmm. in your ankles, and the the nails in your in your wrists as you're pulling yourself up by your dislocated arms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then it creates this cycle of um, of of not having enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. So you don't get enough oxygen, so your body automatically makes your heart to beat faster, so that it can deliver the oxygen that you have. Mm-hmm. But the harder that your your uh, the faster your heart begins to beat, the more you actually are creating the the um, the deficiency. So your your blood becomes saturated with CO two. And the more that happens, the higher your heart rate gets, because mm. your your body's trying to just compensate. Yeah. The faster your heart beats, the more CO two goes, and it just creates this uh, this this uh, cycle, this spiraling cycle. Yeah. That ends in your suffocation. And this entire time, as as Jesus is pulling himself up and letting himself back down, his scourged back is mm-hmm. being rubbed against. The, mm-hmm. the back of the cross, right? Yeah. And in, in rare cases, um, what can occur is a ruptured heart. Mm. So your heart literally, like, exp- it doesn't explode like a bomb, but it right. ruptures, it mm-hmm. bursts open. Yeah. And then all of your blood leaks into your cavity. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it's called the per- pericardium. Pericardium. Mm. I can't remember. There's a sac around your yeah, heart. Right. Well, it'll start to fill up with fluid anyway. Something traumatic is happening to you. But then this. Then if your heart ruptures, then your your chest cavity is filled with blood and water. Mm. And then if you've been dead for a while, what happens is your blood starts to coagulate and separates from the fluid. Yeah. And so this medical doctor said that's the physical explanation that when they thrust the spear into his side, it pierced into his heart yeah. area, and then when they pulled it out, mm-hmm. it, since he had already been dead, yeah. his blood had been separating from the fl- the fluid, the water, right. and so can- out came two different mm. fluids. Yeah, and so I told you, Lord Jones, the medical doctor. Yeah, he theorized this is what happened long, mm. long time ago. Yeah, because he was a doctor. He was. 
I, and I didn't know that for for a while. I always just thought they called him the doctor because he was. Oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then as, as I learned about him, I was like, oh, this guy was a doctor. Yeah, like, yeah he was going to be doctor. The, he was in line to be the king of England's doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he was right there, right at the crown. Yeah, and he turned it all down to become a preacher. Right. So that's what he that, that's what he theorized. And then I saw modern doctors. They say, I mean, it's it's a rare thing to have a ruptured heart. But yeah, but uh, yeah. So this. Like you said, this is the brutality of it, and it, it just shows the, the heinousness mm-hmm. of sin. And all of that is not even taking into account the fact that Christ is bearing the wrath of God. Right. Um, he's, he's experiencing um, an eternity of hell right. there on the cross. Yeah, and uh, for... Um, and I don't know if it's a necessary multiplication because one's probably enough, but mm. for all of his people, not mm-hmm. even just for one. For one would be an, an, etern- so an eternity mm-hmm. experience in a moment, but for all of his people at right. the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and we, we talk about this not because it's we get some kind of um, enjoyment out of talking about it, but because it's necessary, right? So you had the hypocrisy, the brutality, and the necessity. Yeah. Like it's it is absolutely vital that he dies. Yeah, and John John is telling you I saw these things mm-hmm. and he tells you the details of the death. Right. Uh the necessity of. So it, it makes you know like in the gospel writer John, this is a necessity that you mm-hmm. understand this. Right. That he was dead. They went to break his legs and then professional executioners Looked at him and said, "Ah, we think he's dead." So what? What would a? And this fits perfectly with the. I think with the that this actually happened because you know human behavior. Mm-hmm. What's easier to do? Pick up a big, heavy, giant mallet and smash someone's legs and make sure they're dead, yeah. or just to take this little spear and stab somebody in the side with it, <laughs> right? Because you know what they they did. Yeah. I mean, we're not recording the details. Mm-hmm. Like he's dead. Yeah. Like how can it be? Um, and you know they know. Like mm-hmm. if we take him down and he's not dead. Then, then we failed to carry out our orders, right. and we're gonna die. Yeah. So they're probably like, "Well, you better make sure." Yeah. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. And then they stab him. Yeah. And this was an important fact. John's not just carelessly throwing these things out. He's writing these things so that you'll believe, mm-hmm. because there are some heresies that have already popped up in the early church. Yeah. Um, that are. Um, threatening mm-hmm. this this right. idea that Jesus died. Yeah, um, you you mentioned um, docetism, mm-hmm. this idea that Jesus only looked like a man, but he wasn't actually a man. So they would say things like, if you were walking along the beach with Jesus, you'd look behind and he wouldn't have any footsteps. Like yeah. he's he's kind of hovering. Brings new meaning to that poem, right? That's right. <laughs> There's only. <laughs> they're actually yours. yeah. There's only there's only one <laughs> one set of footprints. It's because Jesus isn't really there, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you didn't mention Gnosticism. It, it's kind of like Docetism, mm-hmm. um, except Jesus, the man, and the Christ Spirit are two separate persons. Mm-hmm. So they would say that at Jesus's the human Jesus at his baptism, the Christ Spirit came upon him mm-hmm. and at his death the Christ spirit actually left him so yeah. only the man Jesus died yeah and it's because of this this, uh, this and Muslims would say Jesus didn't even yeah die. I, I didn't was gonna, bring that yeah up. I was gonna mention that that uh, Islam 
doesn't believe that Jesus actually died. There was this switcheroo where it actually was Judas, I believe. Somebody that looked like him. Yeah. Um, God kind of did an did illusion. Yeah. Because you got to get him off the cross, right? If you if you want to not have Christianity, that and their idea of of their prophets is not right. of suffering; right. it's a victory, right? Right. Um, but the the Docetism and Gnosticism it was arising out of this Greek idea that matter is evil and the spirit is good, and so you can't have you can't have God dying. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, this is a major threat yeah. to Christianity. I mean, yeah. we, we've already talked about the necessity of Jesus being truly a man mm-hmm. as we've been going through Hebrews. But we see it here. It, it's mm-hmm. it's necessary that he die. Yeah. Um, because the wages of sin is death. That's, that's the threat that hangs that's over right. all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And the only way that humanity can be set free is death has to be, there yeah. has to be a death, right? The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. The price for your sin is death. Right. And there's no way, if there is no death, if Jesus did not die, then you are still in your sins. Yeah. And you will pay for them. So we, we talk a lot about the blood of Jesus. It, it took the blood of Jesus to, to cover our sins. Yeah. Um, and I've heard the question posed, well, why didn't, why didn't Jesus just bleed? Right. The, the blood of Jesus is just a, a, euphemism, a euphemism for his death. Right. Um, it's he has to die a bloody death. Mm-hmm. He can't just die of you know a stroke. Right. Like he's got he's got to die a brutal death. He has to be murdered. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if he doesn't actually die, then you still owe a death. Yep. Right. Um, so he he has to represent us in his life and in his death. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another. There was another. Uh, this is still around. <sighs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> the swoon theory—it's the—it's right? the silliest theory of all. Yeah, I don't. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of the theories behind the resurrection. You know why yeah. the resurrection wasn't true when we get to that. Yeah, but the swoon theory—it it goes along with um, the resurrection. So he didn't actually rise from the dead because right. he never actually was dead. Well, people, yeah, people start talking about Jesus being risen from the dead, and there, you know, were over 500 people that saw him. Mm-hmm. Alive and well after this, um, which you can imagine how that could start a movement. Right. You just took the worst cr- uh, form of punishment and death ever devised. Yeah. Here you are walking around talking to us. Yeah. 500 people saw. Paul says, go talk to them and ask them if you don't believe me. Apparently, you could just walk around and ask people. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. So many saw. Um, and what do you do then? If you're like, well, what do we do with this? Well, you create this crazy theory mm-hmm. that he didn't actually die on the cross. Yeah. He swooned. They took him down too early, George. Swoon is uh, kind of a... Passed out. kind of an old, yeah. old-time way of saying that he just fainted. Yeah. He right? passed out on the cross. Yeah. They thought he was dead. They took him down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ignoring, then, yeah. ignoring John's eyewitness account <laughs> right. that they stabbed him with a spear. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you don't, you don't walk away from that. Yeah. <laughs> You got stabbed in the heart cavity. Yeah. So you've been so you've been scourged, which would kill some people. Yeah. So he he may have already been bleeding to death as mm-hmm. he's carrying his cross. Um, you've been crucified. You've been stabbed, and then they put you in they put you in a tomb, gives you a little nap, 
you recover. The army right. would say take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen <laughs> to go back to work. That's what they used to do to us. You go in there, I'm pretty sure that my arm's broken. Yeah. 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. <laughs> Get back to work. Yeah. Apparently, he was just like uh-huh. a straight boss when it comes to recovering from injury. It's the uh, it's the Black Knight from uh, Monty Python in the <laughs> yeah. Quest for the it's Holy Grail. It's the dumbest theory it's ever, just, man. It's just a flesh wound, Jay. <laughs> it is. A, it is. It, it is. It's well. It, it shows the um. It shows the the links that unbelieving mankind will go to say he didn't actually rise from the dead. Right. Hold hold up. He didn't actually die. These guys have probably seen more dead people than, uh, you know, a hundred people would ever see in their life. Right. <laughs> right. This is their job. Yeah, they they know what it looks like because I'm sure people have passed out <laughs> when they were being crucified. Yeah. Um, from the pain and the shock, um, they they can tell the difference. Like, this guy is not breathing. He's been slumped over for you know, fifteen minutes. Uh-huh. He's dead. Yeah. They they know, because like you said, if they if they fail in their job, they're going to be executed. Right. So they're not, and these these are Romans, and they don't care about the they don't care about these Jewish criminals. Nope. That are being crucified. They usually would take them down and just throw them in, into a. Heap I mean, these are the these are the same guys who, while Jesus is is hanging there naked, dying, are, are rolling dice. Yeah, playing dice for his clothes. Right. So th- these guys they don't care about. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, one of them apparently is so impressed by the way he dies. Right. He actually says, "Surely this man was the Son mm-hmm. of God." Right. So there's something so powerful about. Was that Longinus? Uh, <laughs> I, I'd have to. I, I bet. I bet you they say it is, because he's a saint, right? Right. So let's talk about the. Let's talk about the spear of destiny. Okay. <laughs> so this thing, this spear, the spear of destiny. Uh, people, they believe they actually have the spear that pierced Jesus' side. Uh-huh. But the problem is there's like 10 competing spears. <laughs> so if you want to go yeah. to Europe and to the Middle East, right. you could go on a, a Spear of Destiny tour. Okay. <laughs> you could visit them all. Yeah. So so this is another one of those relics that yeah. has mythological uh-huh. properties. I mean, movies have been made. We were trying yeah. to remember what out, yeah. what movie it was it was constantine right is that i is think that it was we, yeah larry figured yeah. out constantine the, they were they were looking for this the spear of destiny yeah because if you've got the spear of destiny you can like conquer the world right um yeah all kind of, it, that's just like weird and this, stuff. But, this soldier but in reality yeah the soldier has been named longinus longinus they've made him into a saint you can pray to him uh-huh. i don't know what he's he the patron you. saint of the city yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. Yeah, maybe on. Uh, I, have, I have no. I don't know. I don't understand that stuff. Maybe that's the problem in Chicago. There's so much violence because the the Catholics just have to stop praying to Longinus. To Longinus. Yeah, maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe. <laughs> but the yeah, the Spear of Destiny. You could go. You know, I'm, it's like the other relics. Yeah, I'm sure you get time off of purgatory for visiting. Probably. But make sure, you know, to get in, you got to buy your way in. Right. Of course, they're not just going to let you come in and get time <laughs> off purgatory. Yeah. So you got to pay your fee to get in. Uh-huh. Then you get your time off of purgatory. Right. They got a, they got all these relics everywhere. They got pieces of the cross all over the place. Yeah. Um, was it John, John Calvin said, there's there's enough pieces of the cross 
to build Noah's Ark. <laughs> that was him, right? Calvin? Yeah, I think so. His little splinters of the cross all uh-huh. over Europe. Yeah. He said there's enough of them to build Noah's Ark. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So that's um, that's the spear of destiny that <laughs> pierced Jesus' side. But the the point is, he's dead. Yeah. It, he doesn't. He doesn't just pass out. Can you imagine? I mean, we've got we've got these disciples that run away. None of them are at the cross except for John. Um. Can you imagine? Jesus has been beaten. I mean, Isaiah fifty three says that you, we didn't even recognize him as a man. Like he's he's just a, I mean he's a lump of meat at this point, mm-hmm. um, and he's put in a tomb for three days, and he comes out. He wakes up from you know passing out. He's mm-hmm. recovered, <laughs> but he's but he's just he's he is this sorry sight. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine trying yeah. to convince the, right. the disciples? I rose from the dead, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so then you now you know why the opposite was such a shock, right? To see him standing, right. yeah, well and and healthy, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the boldness that would mm-hmm. come now, like, right? Threatened now you're going to threaten a disciple with death, like yeah, they laugh at it now, right? Are you serious? Yeah, all, all of this put together was with with movie? the with with the the transformation of the disciples, it could only mean that they saw Jesus not recovering from a swoon. Yeah. But he actually has been raised to life. What's that one movie where the Roman soldier does like an investigation to try to find Jesus' body? Risen? Yeah. I think it's called Risen. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I, I know what you're talking about. So he's the whole movie, like you never see him, uh-huh. Jesus, but right. it, it takes place right around. He threatens the disciples mm-hmm. and like they're they laugh at they're him, laughing. Don't they? Yeah. They're like, Well he's like, We'll kill you and they laugh. <laughs> and he's like and yeah. so he's he's keeps searching, searching, searching. Well, eventually he gets uh, information that they're in this upper room. So he's got you know he's out, he's running, running. He's ahead. He's by himself. They're split up, and he yeah. hears laughter in this room. Uh-huh. It sounds like a party's going on, <laughs> and he like kicks the door down mm-hmm. to go in soldier mode, and then he see because he was there when Jesus was crucified too. He saw him die. Yeah, like he was to make sure that he actually died. Mm-hmm. So he saw Jesus dead. And then is he Longinus? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> but it's a powerful part of the movie because when he, they're all laughing. He kicks the door down, and as soon as he kicks the door down, he sees the same face he saw dead, mm. and he is like stunned, yeah. like struck, like shook. That's what they say. Yeah, like to the core. Right. And you can imagine that's what it would have been like for the disciples. Mm-hmm. No right. one comes back from the dead. Yeah. This does not happen. Right. So that's why it's he was not swooned. Yeah. So that's why it's so important. Um, There's also I I don't know if this is a separate theory that um, I think that it's like Joseph of Arimathea gave him some kind of drug to make him swoon. Oh, I'm about to check this out. And then the and then their plan was foiled when the Roman soldier. You know, it's like that him. spy stuff where you could take it and make sure like heart uh-huh, beats right. so slowly mm-hmm. that it's undetectable that yeah. you're actually not dead. Right. I don't know if that's a, a separate a separate theory from the swoon theory, but I've I've read that also. He got that potion from some uh uh-huh. mountaintop in Tibet. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But uh 
Longinus just messed up the whole thing. Stabbed, stabbed Jesus stabbed in the side. Stabbed him right in the heart. I had it all figured out. And he recovered. But this, <laughs> but this is... Uh, this, this is why it's so important for John to say, I saw you. this. Yeah, that's why he's saying, I, saw I this. am telling you what I saw. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth, mm-hmm. and I'm telling it so you'll believe. Right. Yeah. He died. Okay. All right. So that's the, that's the physical reality of Jesus' death. He actually died. But the second part is there's the spiritual reality. Oh, this is going to be a long podcast. Is this a long one? All right. Sorry. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's going to be a long one. Okay. So there's the spiritual reality of Jesus' death. Yeah. So explain what you mean by that. Well, there, what happened at the cross changes something in the spiritual world mm-hmm. um, in a personal way. So for Jesus' people, like when he dies, the, the spiritual component flows out of the physical component, yeah. and you can't get there without what happened in the physical that's why it's so important that he actually did die, and yeah. as we'll move forward, that he be raised from the dead. But the spiritual spiritual reality is a transformation that in a, is that takes place in a people because of the physical death. Mm-hmm. And this is important because it gets rid of several of those false theories of the atonement. Mm-hmm. You, you've been teaching some of those in uh, in Sunday school that there's the moral example. Jesus is just um, a demonstration of of what it means to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like he's the epitome of a good person, right? But what John is doing here is more than look to Jesus. He's a good person, right? Follow his example. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how you suffer under you know an oppressive system. Yep. This is what you do when the the hegemony is right <laughs> is you know coming after you, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is, there is, a, like you said, there's a spiritual reality to this. This is atonement. Mm-hmm. God is, God is putting forth Jesus as a propitiation. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you broke this into two sections, implicitly and explicitly. So implicitly right. for those, uh, those of us who don't know what implicit means, Jay, what's it mean to imply it- something? It is like you're communicating a truth without spelling it out for you. Uh-huh. So John is... It's, in other words, it's the way women communicate all, okay. <laughs> all the time. There's, there goes a few more listeners, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, this is John assuming that those who are reading this are familiar with the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Is that... I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but even... And maybe... I mean, this is the genius of God, really. Mm-hmm. That even if you've never read the Old Testament, you're going to get the second part. Yeah, right. The explicit part, mm-hmm. right? But there's more here that, like, maybe you've been a Christian a while and you start to learn your Bible more, and then you're going to go back to John and you're going to go, "What?" Yeah. So the explicit, yeah. the explicit is out there. John says this was to fulfill this scripture, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so you can you can understand what's going on right. in the way that he just puts it out there. Uh-huh. Um, and then this is the beauty of scripture. You can keep coming back and you keep you keep picking up on more of it right. because there there's layers to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the explicit is not subtle at all. Not subtle. John just tells you what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the implicit is, is things you just come back and you, you pick up on 
more and more. Mm-hmm. All right, That's so right. what... What? And the two... This is what's neat about this, I think, is once we hit this first implicit one, it ties into the second explicit one, mm-hmm. as we'll see from Zechariah. And this is this is the the reason why we encourage people, read your Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Read, your, read, read Genesis through Malachi because that is the Bible that the disciples were using. They were reading this and they're... All of this is just picking up on different themes and strands, you know, from the Old Testament. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what uh, what are some of the implicit ways in which the the spiritual reality of Jesus's death is is shown? Well, it comes down to this strange detail of blood and water coming out of Jesus, okay. like a fountain, uh-huh. which would have happened when he got stabbed, right? Um, and so you start to look at what are blood and water in the Bible. Okay. They're significant symbols and they teach things. So water first is essential for life, right? You can't live without water. Um and there's a strange story in the Old Testament. And it does seem odd. If you ever think about how odd it seems when mm-hmm. the first time you read it? And it's in Exodus 17, after God has rescued, again, through water. Right. That's, that, that's their symbolism, all of that in John 6. But as he rescues them through the water, he destroys the Egyptians, rescues his people, takes them to the wilderness, starts his new community. Um, they start to grumble. First time, it's because they, they don't have any food. Yeah. And so he sends them more food than they could ever eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he provides them manna. And so they're good. Well, they keep going, and they don't have any water. They're in, they're in the desert. They have no water. It's hard for us to grasp the, how desperate, I guess, it could make you, because we don't live in a desert, mm-hmm. and we can get turn on our faucet if we need water. Yeah. Um, but they they need water. Well, this is a this this is a people that are, are used to living by the Nile River, also. Yeah. I mean, they're they're in a place where they don't water really galore. worry about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they can't find it. Yeah. There's no water. And they literally say to him, did you rescue us from Egypt to kill us with thirst? <laughs> right. They're pretty jerky. Yeah. This is the things they say to Moses. Mm-hmm. Did you rescue us from Egypt to kill us with thirst? And so God says, okay, go go walk about through Israel, gather up the elders, and then come back to me. When you got them, come back. I'm going to stand on this rock. I'm going to stand on the rock, and then you hit the rock. When you hit the rock, water is going to come forth. And that's what happens. But it's a weird story. Yeah, it is. Because God is standing on the rock that he hits with his staff. Mm-hmm. It's like he's hitting at God. Right. Um, and God provides water for him that way. Wait, Jay, how can God stand, how can on, God a, stand on a rock? On a rock? Hmm. Well, I guess you could do the William Lane Craig thing and just say <laughs> this is a fable anyway. <laughs> You believe in that anthropomorphic God, don't you, Jay? <laughs> you believe God walked in a garden? Huh? You believe he stood on a rock? You believe that there was actually a rock that followed in the wilderness uh-huh. and fed? Yeah. All right. He mocks it like that. He oh, mocks yeah. it like that. Yeah. He's gone off the rails. Yep. But Paul tells you in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, mm-hmm. that was Christ. Yeah. The, the rock that gave water, Right. that was Christ. Yeah. I think that gives some insight into the numbers account. Remember this this story repeats itself. They're yes, they're grumbling it for water 
and Moses, God, God tells Moses, speak to the rock and water will come forth. And Moses says, yeah, I mean, he's fed up, right? He says to the people, are, how, you know, how often are we going to have to do this for you? And he hits the rock twice. And I think, I think that this, the explanation a little bit is not just that he disobeyed God's command, but the reason why he wasn't supposed to hit the rock twice is because he's already hit the rock. Uh-huh. And I think it's pointing forward, it's foreshadowing the fact that Christ dies once, mm-hmm. you strike him once, and the water comes forth. Yeah. You don't have to you don't have to hit him twice. Right. Yeah. And for doing what he did, he's prevented from going to the right. promised land. Uh-huh. So I thought about yeah. it as do you think do you think Moses was frustrated with God and like lashing out at God? Maybe. And his disobedience. Yeah, maybe. I mean he's he is um God says that you didn't um what sanctify me before the people. Uh-huh. Yeah, interesting to think about. Yeah. But the first time, I mean, it's clear. Right. Um, yeah, hit this. And it's it's not um you know, it's not spelled out in the Old Testament, but the Jewish um I don't even know how to how to label it. Tradition. Tradition, yeah. Is that this rock actually traveled with them? Mm-hmm. Right. So they had water in the wilderness of sin all the time. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's so interesting the way that Paul picks up on that in in 1 Corinthians 10. The rock was Christ. This is supernatural. Right. The manna is supernatural food. Mm -hmm. This spiritual, it's a spiritual drink. Right. It's God providing for his people in a Mm -hmm. supernatural means. Yeah. And it comes through a man striking the place where God is. And And that's exactly what we see. And we would say that that's the angel of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's that's standing. the son of God standing there on the rock, yeah. And and that's this is what so you see in the imagery so of the cross. It's, it's Christ in the Old Testament that's giving water, water, water of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in and here he's struck again. Yeah. And water burst forth out of his side. Right. It's a very clear symbol. Yeah. It, he's already talked about water a lot. Jesus has. As him being like the water of yeah, life. It's all over John. Yeah. John 4, it's explicit. John 7, I believe it's John 7 and 8, maybe 8. Um, but he tells the woman at the well, mm-hmm. if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink, right. and I would give you water, and the water that I give will will bubble up within you to eternal life. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Whoever drinks of the water I give will never be thirsty again. Yeah. Speaking of himself as right. the 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 water of life, um, the fountain of life, mm-hmm. and the the festival they celebrate in oh where is it? It's John know. seven. It's John seven. Mm-hmm. They're celebrating the, this festival where they would take water and bring it up to the temple and pour it out. It would flow out over. Right. And they're they're commemorating God taking care of them in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. They would light this big uh, torch. It would look like the uh, pillar of fire. Yeah, the light would go up, and you could see it from miles around. Right, um, and they would celebrate God moving in the wilderness, protecting them as a pillar of fire, and then providing for them water. And Jesus stands up and calls out in the middle of so all it's, that. So it's and this is like a solemn ceremony, right? Like it's it's going to be really quiet. Yeah, and then they pour out the water, and Jesus cries out. I am the yeah. I'm the water of I life. I am the water of life. Right. 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Standing there. It would have been amazing. Yeah. Amazing right. scene. Mm-hmm. Um and he's he's telling he's like telling you got telling everyone in the world like that was me. Yeah. I was the one taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Um and he says I'm the light of the world at the same time too. This is a big big deal. This yeah. is a big event. Mm-hmm. I'm the light of the world. Um and and I think it symbolizes it symbolized here when his side is pierced and water comes forth. Yeah. So, yeah. And this also has some connections to the new covenant. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Right, Ezekiel thirty six. Yes, God says that He'll cleanse He'll cleanse His people with right. water. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have the blood, the blood of the new covenant, mm-hmm. the water. So all of this is is being connected to what actually happened on the cross. Yeah. That yeah. this again is taking us back to last week, mm-hmm. and what was the intention? Right. What, what's the meaning of the cross? Yeah. Yeah, and so there's these, um, Matthew Henry, he has this great quote. Um, so there's that, God providing water of life, but there's also the twin truths of justification and sanctification symbolized okay. in blood and water. <clears throat> Matthew Henry quote, which everyone that I ever read about the sermon quoted Matthew Henry. So <laughs> I said, well, if I'm going to, I guess I got to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> he said, the blood and water that flowed out, out, of, out were, were significant. They signify the two great benefits which all believers partake of through Christ, justification, sanctification, blood for remission, water for regeneration, blood for atonement, water for purification. Blood and water were used very much under the law. Guilt contracted must be expiated by blood. Stains contracted must be done away with by by the water of purification. These two must always go together. You are sanctified and you are justified. Mm. I think it's true. I think it's there crystal clear. Yeah. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Right. Everything in the Old Testament is purified by blood. Atonement's only made by blood. Mm. Blood came forth. Here's atonement for your sins. It's right here. But there's yeah. also water, which symbolizes that all of the effects of sin, the uncleanness, the guilt, all of it are washed away from you, mm. and you're made new. Yeah. And they're there. Th- this, again, is kind of what we talked about last week, the fact that as pastors, our job is to preach the cross, mm-hmm. preach Christ crucified, because all of the benefits come through the cross. So it's not just that we're we're justified by the cross, and then we're trying to, you know, we don't need moralistic teaching. Do better, right. try harder. Here's mm-hmm. ten steps to you know a better marriage. Mm-hmm. Our our sanctification, our ongoing becoming more and more like Christ occurs by looking at the cross. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it's 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 all centered on the cross. Right. The the cross is not just one story that we focus on at Easter time. Yeah. And then the rest of the time we need to talk about, you know, at the movies. Yeah, and God well, isn't just forgiving your sin either. That's a I think a component people forget. Yeah. Yes, but God could have forgiven your sins and just left you alone. Yeah. And left you with all the baggage mm. that came with everything that happened to you before. Right. But he doesn't. He he sanctifies you. He yeah. cleanses you. He sends the Holy Spirit, washes you, makes you a new person, removes yeah. all of that. All of the baggage can be removed. This is the explanation why uh, psychology can't do what the Holy Spirit does. Mm. You know, people have been damaged by things that have happened to them as a kid. They may go see a psychologist for the, the rest of their life. 
Well, there are accounts too too numerous to even name. I can think of several that I just that I know that people who come to Christ and they find all of the shame of their former life gone, yeah. taken away, mm-hmm. and inexplic inexplicable mm. that this could happen. Uh, but it's supernatural washing right. that God does is he actually makes you a new person. Yeah. And that's the that's the point. That's the goal. Yeah. The goal is to bring many sons to glory. The the goal is to make um people that image Christ. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to look like Christ. And that's that all comes out of the cross. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So implicitly we have the spiritual reality, but explicitly. So John actually says this was to fulfill certain passages in the Old Testament. Yeah, verse 36. These things took place that scripture might be fulfilled. Then he has he kind of quotes two scriptures. I'm I am so confused as to why All right, so verse 30 36. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. Mhm. The ESV has a little footnote here. You look down, it's Exodus twelve forty six and Numbers nine twelve. Mm-hmm. These are Passover passages. Right. So the bones of the Passover lamb were not supposed to be broken. Uh huh. Why do they never quote or cite Psalm thirty four twenty? I don't know because um, that's it, when I look at it. Not one of his bones will be broken. Right. That immediately takes me to Psalm thirty four twenty. Right. Yeah, which that's in pretty much every cross reference. Yeah, that it's you can not, use. but it's not. It's interesting really? that the ESV has this footnote. Is that, it in the cross references? I don't have a Bible with cross references. Well, let me just check that, George. Do you have cross references in yours? You yeah, they're in the middle. You got a cheating, cheating I've got, Bible? I've got those middle uh-huh. <laughs> two columns, and in the middle I've got it. Yeah. I, I mean, l- listen to... Listen to Psalm thirty four twenty. He keeps all his bones; not one of them is broken. Yeah, it's it's in the cross. Re- it's in my cross reference. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He keeps all his bones; not one of them will be broken. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's there. Uh, but I wanted to to get at what is that telling us? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. Is that just uh, something that happened? Right. And so that takes you go back to to the Passover. And it's a strange detail. It, here's the Passover lamb. I'm going to provide for you. Uh, I'm going to come in. The final judgment will be all uh, the firstborn in this whole land are going to die. Yeah, God, my wrath's going to fall, but I'm providing you a way, a Passover. I'm going to give you a sacrifice. You you eat the sacrifice. He tells them everything to do with it. Put its blood mm-hmm. over the post. And if you're in the house where there's blood covered by this blood, my wrath will pass you by. Yeah. But don't break any bones. <laughs> like I, it's such a. It's like uh-huh, why right. you think they were like why not? What does it matter? <laughs> like we're about to shred this animal, yeah, and then eat it, right, and sprinkle its blood. But we can't break any bones. Mm-hmm. What's, yeah. You know, I don't even know what. I'm sure the Jew, Jewish people have a, some type of explanation for this. Yeah, do you think they do? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, what it is, I, I have yeah, no I idea. Know. I don't know. But you don't break it. No bone. No bones broken. But we see that we see that stream of thought from the from the Exodus to the continual Passover year mm-hmm. after year to Psalm thirty four twenty, which is the righteous person who's suffering mm-hmm. um, unjustly, and God keeps him so that his bones aren't broken. Right. Um, to John nineteen. Yep. And we see the the ultimate fulfillment to which all of this pointed was 
Mm-hmm. Jesus. But Jesus is the Passover. Right. God's Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist told you that at the beginning. Yeah. He like ruined it. Spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> Jesus shows up. Everybody yeah. thinks everything's fine. He's like, oh, it's, a, uh-huh. it's the lamb of God. Right. You might like people are probably like, what is he talking about? Yeah. John the Baptist talking crazy again. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Lamb of God. Yeah. Um, and then Paul, Paul picks up on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's, and that's explicit. It's there. If you are in Christ, if you're covered by Christ, blood, God's wrath will not fall on you. Mm. So it's super clear. Yeah. Um, And then he says, uh, verse 37, and again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Yep. Comes from this section in uh, Zechariah 12. there's a break. It starts chapter 13 uh, in our Bible, which I don't know why it does that, but I feel like that first verse in 13 goes with all of the rest. Um, but the, it's kind of this longer section taking this reflection about the terrible state of Israel and Jerusalem. But a fact that, that God's going to come with incredible grace and mercy in the future. Uh, but during this time when God pours out on them this kind of like spirit of repentance, they're going to look upon him who they have pierced. Mm-hmm. But the terminology that's used is me. <laughs> right. Which is a, it's a, it's like God's talking, right, mm-hmm. through the prophet, and they will, they will look upon him whom they have pierced, but it's me. Do you yeah. have the passage? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, read the actual word. Yeah, of it, it says, um, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Yeah. And then if you continue into 13.1, mm-hmm. God says that he o- he will open up on that day. There'll be a fountain opened yeah. um, in the house of David to cleanse from sin and uncleanness. Mm-hmm. So the twin truths we already just talked about: right. to cleanse from sin and its defilement, yeah. its uncleanness. Mm-hmm. Um, they will look on me, on him who they have pierced. So right. God is pierced. Yeah. He, like, how would you read that as a Israelite? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's, there is. Um, How do we? I mean, there's, there's, there are so many, like you said, explicit references to the Messiah who's going to come is mm-hmm. going to be God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I need to do some more, some more research into it. But um, apparently, in the intertestamental time, the rabbi started kind of changing, changing some of that? these, some of these explicit references. Um, away from there, there was um, a strong, um, um, more trinitarian uh-huh. understanding of the Godhead amongst the 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 Jewish people so than that, is than is often thought because in that intertestamental time there were some changes that were being made. So the collection of the rabbis' teaching, from what I understand, they have now elevated it to like the place of scripture. Yeah. It's authoritative. And so they they used to be Trinitarian, mm-hmm. but now they become Unitarian. Yeah, and it's been done as the rab the rabbinic teachings have, um, especially after the fall of of Jerusalem, they 
had to modify some things because right. it looks like Christianity is true. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it looks like everything Jesus said was going to happen happened. Yeah, and so in their unbelief, they right. They had to modify some stuff to become unitarian. Right. Um and you, you see I mean one of, I mean we've talked about this their their acceptance of this idea that Jesus is the son of God and he's divine. Um and yet he's distinct from the Father. They just kind of assume it. Mm-hmm. Like the the Trinity is is not really argued for in the New Testament. Right. It's just assumed. Right. Um, well, John so spells it out for you when he calls him the Word. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's He's using Old Testament language. There there, the the Trinity in the Old Testament is uh, it's real strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think as Christians we need to get back to right to that seeing the Trinity is this isn't a New Testament invention. It's something that is all throughout the the Old Testament. And we see it here. We've yeah. got we've got God saying, They're gonna pierce me. Yeah. Well, how do you pierce God? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and Jesus is literally pierced. Yeah. Right. Um and so in trying to avoid this, they actually fulfill it. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. And in that day, I, this is an interesting thing for me to kind of contemplate and look at it because I think we see that this is fulfilled. I think Zechariah 13 1 was fulfilled in Jesus' time, in his day. Uh-huh. That at his resurrection and the preaching of the gospel, the fountain of life was opened for the people of Israel. Yeah. The house of David, there's a fountain for them, yeah. cleansing of sin and of uncleanness. Mm-hmm. And we saw that. At Peter's preaching, the thousands of Jews who responded and repented, and and they wept and lamented, and you know they were they were like rending their clothes. Yeah. Uh, but there, I think there's coming a, a greater fulfillment in the future. I'm hopeful that there will be. But the same fountain that was opened is open today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fountain doesn't get closed. Uh, the fountain's open perpetually. Yeah. And anyone who wants can come to it. It's interesting that um, this passage is also referenced in Revelation chapter one, mm. but it takes on a different, a different flavor. So here it's it's mourning over the one that they pierced in repentance, mm-hmm. and I, I think we see that in at the end of, of Acts chapter two, right. they're you know they're they're pierced to the heart, yeah. and they repent. But in Revelation chapter one says that he's coming on the clouds and every every eye will see him even those who pierced him yeah and it's not it's not repentance right it's now it's judgment they're afraid now. so they're yeah. you're so you're you're left with two choices right mm-hmm. you're going to look on him who whom has been pierced in repentance or you're going to look on him in terror you're going right. to see the one coming on the clouds who was pierced i mean yeah. he's coming in judgment and and we ought to remember too that yeah, the language of the house of David is used, but we pierced him. Mm-hmm. This is a group effort. Well, you, this is I mean, a, you see all through chapter twelve yeah. that the nations are coming. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's this is a worldwide rebellion against God. Yep. It's it's actually our Psalm chapter two, uh-huh. right? The yeah. the nations. It's why do the nations, the Gentiles, rage, and the peoples, which Acts chapter four they they interpret that as the people of of Israel. Yeah. So it's. It's this collaboration between the Gentiles and the Jews uh-huh. coming together to to crucify the Lord's anointed. Yeah, Calvin has this great uh, deal about who, like we piercing mm. Christ or God. We're we piercing God, right? And of course, he speaks about. I mean, we cannot 
we cannot we can't harm God in his divinity, right? So he's he's saying God is communicating the heinousness of sin in a capacity that we could understand. Yeah. I mean, we even use the language you pierced my like my you crushed my heart. Right. And He's saying like God has communicated to us in ways that we can understand mm. the horrific nature of sin, yeah. and this whole thing is set up to be fulfilled in a literal, literal fashion, where actual spears thrust into the God Man's heart, the heart of God. Yeah, mm. it's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, um, and it it shows the the love of God for mm. sinners. Yeah, that um, He would send Christ to die for us. Yes, for sure. Yep. Oh, any uh, any final thoughts, Jay? I, I think I mean I like the final the the last part of 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 Revelation. The way Revelation ends is neat. I think neat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you thinking about the, just the imagery of the water mm. and the water coming out of the rock and the water of life and Jesus like a fountain, like yeah. like water coming out of his side, like a fountain, like right. it's an image. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in Revelation, the, the language that's used there is that in the new creation, God is on his throne and the Lamb, and flowing from the throne of the Lamb is a river of life. Mm. There's water flowing, um, and anyone who wants can come and drink of this water Yeah, freely. Yeah. Well, there is a, there is a prerequisite. You have to be thirsty. That's right. It, he says, I mean, that's some if of the last words. Thirsty. Let the one who is thirsty come. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. So that's, if you're thirsty, come and drink. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of connections here. I mean, Jesus says, if you don't drink my blood. Yeah. My uh, my apolog- apologetics professor, he did this still once. It was really cool. I did, I did it uh, many years ago. You may remember this, Larry. I stole it from Thorval Madsen. How cool a name is that? Thorval. That is an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, Thor, Thor Madsen. So he, the whole time he's talking, there's a, a prop behind him, and it's there's a, a sheet over a deal, and he's like, behind that is the most valuable thing in the world, the thing that you that some people would kill to have. Is it the spear of destiny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he gets done preaching, and he's preaching about. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe it was a woman at the well. Can't remember. I think it was. But it's about Jesus offering water of life, and he takes it off. He's like, "There it is. It's a glass of water." He's like, "You know why you don't think it's the most valuable thing in the world? Because you're not dying of thirst." Mm. And that's what he said. He said, well, "When you know you're a sinner, right? Um, you're pretty thirsty. Yeah. And there's no holding you back mm. from pl- like from running into the water of life. Yeah. Because you think he's the most valuable thing in the world." If you're thirsty, right? So never forgot it. So, but it's true. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks, man. What's next? I don't know how far I'm going to go yet. No, this one may be. This one may be like a. This may be a moment. This, this, this may be gonna, like a going to bring us to number six. Might be a memento sermon. I might preach the text through this way uh-huh. and then come back through it again. Okay. All right. From another way. I don't know. We'll gonna, uh, you're going to get the six. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. See if you get the seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm rooting for you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully this was beneficial for you as we've been walking through John chapter 19. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon from Sunday um, as Jay was preaching. Um, as we've seen the uh, the necessity for the death of Christ, what it means for us that he actually died, but also seeing the spiritual reality that um, as his side was pierced and blood and water came forth, um, there is a fountain, we sang it uh, on Sunday, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flow, they lose all their guilty stains. And uh, that's our hope for you. So uh, if this has been beneficial, please like, subscribe, share, get the word out, and uh, we'll see you next time.